Here's the football season is over, Brian. <laughs> Should we? You have any new hobbies you're gonna pick up? Right. Any? Uh, <laughs> how are we gonna fill our Sundays? All right. Well, my kids are skiing today, so maybe we can learn skiing. That's a fun winter activity. Yeah. I mean, in theory, it's fun. Right. Yeah. It is. It's supposed to be fun. I don't enjoy it, but <laughs> I wish I. Did. <laughs> I'd like to be the type of person that enjoyed skiing. But I don't like it that much. <laughs> yeah. I've, I have moments of enjoyment, like stretches yeah. of enjoyment. Right. But a lot of it is really unenjoyable. Getting ready, going there, getting a equipment. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Like you have invested probably two and at least two and a half hours into skiing before you've actually skied. And all of it's terrible. That's true. That's true. I do love a nice lodge. Um, yeah. Lodge is great. Yep. Lodge, lodge food. I like the feeling of skiing and feeling like I've put my body through something so that I can go into the lodge and eat a huge platter of fried food and a very creamy soup and <laughs> and feel like it's all like, you know, a win for me. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what are you getting at? that something has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think things have gone awry. I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't feel great on Sunday night. I've been happier. Yeah, our winter plans have definitely changed. Um, yeah. All of this business about playoffs and, you know, not, not to turn it away. I feel like we're ready to go all Jim Mora, you know? <laughs> playoffs! <laughs> People asking Joe Judge about the playoff race, you know, and how, is he thinking about the playoffs? And he's like stock answer of like, I don't waste my, t you know, sort of trying to be like, we don't, we concern ourselves with just the task at hand. It's like, no, that that's, that's a nice thing to say about why you're not thinking about the playoffs. But like, you're not thinking about the playoffs because you're not going to the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> right. There were a lot by the speaking of, there were a lot of testy sort of answers from the Giants, from Judge come in the post-game press conference i did notice that yeah yeah they it felt they feel it the season yeah yeah they know yeah yeah you know they've reached the testy with the media portion of being a bad team <laughs> 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 i was laughing because he got a little cute with an answer about like do you think the offense is holding you back or something like that? And he said something like, I've done some research and a hundred percent of the time, the team that scores the most points wins or something like that. Yeah. I saw that. You know, I was joking that you could have rephrased the question of just like, Oh no, what I meant is why is your offense so terrible? That's yeah, what right. I was getting at. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. What I was trying to get at was that your offense, it stinks. It's awful. And right. you should do something about it. And what do you think the problem is? <laughs> I know you're aware of it. I'm just curious why that's the case. Right. And based on your research, why is it that nearly twice as often we are the team with fewer points? Right. Why, why is that always <laughs> happening to the Giants? Why are they that team and not the other team that's scoring all of the points? You know, actually, I just read because I think he just put it up or at least just tweeted it out. But I read uh, sort of this Dan Duggan piece um, about, you know, uh, 
like I, I don't blame any of them for being testy either. Like how much must it suck to two weeks ago beat Seattle and think like, oh my God, we're going to win the division and we know we stink. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, to have the, the rug pulled out from under you like that. But I do think it's fair to say that like, and, and one of the reasons I still like Judge a lot is because I think that, you know, I think that he's, they prepare to win every Sunday because what else can you do? But they've also done a pretty good job of planning for the future and developing guys. Like, I just did not, like a lot of people, did not understand the whole offensive line rotation silliness or what appeared to be silliness earlier in the year. But, like, yeah, good. I'm glad he did that. You know? Right. Yeah, I mean, I still feel like for Judge, like, I don't know. It's interesting because you got so much praise and now you're starting to take a step back and be like, you're the coach of like a five and nine team. That's really terrible. In offense. And I think when you actually watch him in game, like I think there's some weird stuff he does. Like he seems to have really kind of has no feel for fourth down. I think like to me, he's weirdly aggressive when he should be conservative and conservative when he should be aggressive. And just, I, I don't sense a philosophy there as much as just like weird decisions. So how did you um, feel about, how he called fourth downs on Sunday night. I, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with, with going for it um, the way he did early in the game. You know, I, I, I don't know that like that, that fake would have been the call. I made. Um, I feel like anytime you're saying, Hey, Graham Gano was open. That's not an effective play. <laughs> like <laughs> You should have thrown it to Graham Gano. He was free on a slant. It's like, uh, what What were we doing there? That that was part of the design. So, But I didn't mind going for it. Like, I, 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 I get what he was thinking there. But then he did punt in the fourth quarter down whatever it was, 20 to 3 or so, something. And he punted late in the game when it didn't really make any sense. Yeah. So, uh, like, anyway, like, I'm really not – I don't even have a huge issue with how he handles that stuff or think that he's, like – flawed but i think he's still growing into that but like what makes me still confident about judge overall is like there's just a lot of players on this team that are playing better now than they were at the start of the season and i think that's a credit to the coaching staff and like that makes me think he knows what he's doing you know um and then that other stuff kind of comes with the job like you just kind of get a feel for your team and those situations but i i think if you're if you were to criticize him i don't think he's done a great job in those spots this year Right, I agree with you. And I also think he's weirdly he weirdly draws a lot of attention to fourth down. I, I don't even yeah. know. This might be the first week we're actually talking about Joe Judge fourth downs if he didn't do a weird sort of fake fourth down thing all yeah. the time, you know? Um and just uh, you know, it is weird because he is a special teams guy and and by and large the Pats had really good special teams under him. But our special teams has taken a bit of a slide the last few weeks. And then that fake was just inexplicable. Like I, I just don't get it. Like first of all, of course Graham Gano's open. I feel like if you're a Browns, <laughs> if you're a Browns fan, and he was, and he wasn't, he wasn't open, they'd be, you'd be like, why is he? Why are we covering Graham Gano? Right, like right. leave him open. But you also have your punter throwing to your center, and the center is triple covered. Right. Like what <laughs> is that play? Just right. line up your uh, your shitty offense and yeah, <laughs> run yeah, one of I your agree. other terrible plays if you're gonna try. Well, run a fake. That's a fake. Yeah. Um, you know, like a normal fake where you you try to make it look like you're gonna kick rather than like 
bring the kicking team out and then have them run an offensive play. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I would have been great if they threw it to Gano. I would have liked to have seen what would have happened if, if he <laughs> threw, you know, fires it in there to him. Can he catch? Like, it's hit or miss. Maybe he's got great hands or, like, he's never caught a ball ever. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Both That's... are on the table. <laughs> it's true. It's also, it's one of because you get this in high school a lot, where a lot of high school teams, believe it or not, line up in some sort of weird extra point formation. And it is the job of somebody where basically you're trying to catch a team unprepared, like a team doesn't know how to line up properly against a weird formation. And there's usually a spot where you intend for the ball to go, and it's somebody's on the field's job to count, basically, count the defenders in front of you. And if they have the numbers, the play's theoretically not going to work, and then everybody shifts back into normal extra point uh, formation, and then you just kick the extra point. But if you have the numbers advantage, you run the play, and that's tip- that's that's really a pretty common high school thing. And, yeah. like, I saw the Talking Giants guys put up, like, I don't know, the formation that was on the field on Instagram or something. And you look at it, and they had, like, they were, believe it or not, the Browns were lined up to stop more or less whatever it was we were trying to do. <laughs> so, I don't know. Just, like, was that like, – Get was, out of it. Right. Was there no – it's just like, look, you are throwing it to Nick Gates no matter what. Like, let's <laughs> do it. Right. You know, I don't know. I don't get it. Right. Did, like, he get a roster bonus or something if he caught a touchdown pass? And <laughs> <laughs> they made a deal with him. I don't know. Yeah. Why don't teams use their backup quarterback – as the holder anymore like why is nobody doing that like why is it not worth it to just have the threat of i'm pretty sure it's because in in an nfl practice the punter and the kicker work together all the time like they're always together doing punter and kicker things whereas the backup quarterback is often with the offense all the time so that if he has to play that week he has a sense of the offense and the offensive game plan. Like, it's not like a high school team where, you know, you're doing every, the whole team's doing special teams and your kicker is probably also your best wide receiver. And so like you set aside a certain time of your practice to do like extra point, like in an NFL practice, the kicker and punter are kicking and punting the whole time. And they're like with each other. So I think that's probably, it's just, no, an, I know, like I think that's why, but I like, that's dumb. Like, I don't you know. I mean, everybody's gone to that. Like, there's time in the day for your backup quarterback, or maybe if you have you carry three quarterbacks, especially for him to hold <laughs> and work on that with the kicker. And then you have this threat of if you ever want to run a fake, there's a guy who knows how to throw. Like, I don't know. It seems worth it to me to like, it, they used to do it all the time and it worked well. And the backup quarterback, like, had no problem holding like i don't know it does seem like a weird thing that everybody decided it's not worth it and maybe it's not i guess but what's the downside i don't know like just because those guys happen to be standing next to each other is no reason to like not (laughs) have this threat i don't know why not brian do you think that if colt mccoy had been holding half the season that he'd be nearly prepared enough to put on the performance right i mean your backup (laughs) quarterback is worthless anyway don't give me that he needs to be like or you've got, and some teams carry three. Have the third guy, like, I don't know. Anyway, not that that's making or breaking the Giants season <laughs> for a while. And I've always wondered why it's it hasn't come back into fashion. Because um, there's opportunity there. I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess, too, it's like, I just kind of don't understand. 
like unless you're really positive that a team just sucks at special teams, why not just line up your offense and run a good play? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess the only thing was like it was fourth and eight or something. So yeah, you're you're trying. You need some kind of gimmickry there, or you're you don't want to just. And our offense is so bad, I probably don't want to line up a play. But yeah, That's I mean, I, it was a weird call, but I didn't have any problem with them going for it. I don't really think no. Not at all. The whole needed the points thing, and and I don't think he misread the game. I think he read the game properly. Like, yeah, agree. We weren't going to be able to score much. We had to take advantage of those opportunities. I don't think three points. You know, you could say all you want, like, oh, we would have been thirteen to nine or whatever. Like, they moved the ball at will on us. They could have scored more if they wanted to. Um, we never stopped Baker Mayfield all night. Like, I, I just don't buy this argument that we needed those field goals and that it hurt us at all. Um, no, I don't. I thought it was fine. I, you know, again, I would not have targeted Nick Gates in my trick play, but you know, if it worked, we would have looked really smart and clever, and it would have been great. Um, I don't fault him at all. And then the fourth and one, I thought you, I, I would have gone for it absolutely there. I think fourth and one should be. I don't care where you are. To me, fourth and one, you should probably go for it. Yeah, I, I thought Freddie Kitchens did pretty good actually. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like they took more deep shots. I don't know. I don't have any thoughts on Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> I mean, I thought our offense actually looked better than it did against Seattle for stretches. Yeah. I guess we didn't score any points. We got close. <laughs> I'm not like I'm not if you know if this was on kept Freddie Kitchens audition I'm not hire you know I'm I need to see more I don't know I no. don't like care about his performance no d- <laughs> please don't don't mistake me I, I'm not yeah. I'm not like hey Freddie Kitchens right, I, right. I I'm more like I'm and I'm sure this is no surprise to you but Freddie Kitchens is better than Jason Garrett because yeah, Jason yeah. Garrett sucks like he right. sucks right. <laughs> Right, I hope he doesn't get his job back. Just keep let's see what this guy can do. What do we we've seen whatever 11 games of Jason Garrett have Freddie Kitchens finish the year. Maybe he'll he's I don't know. Can we take solace in the idea like do you think so where are we at with our our Gettleman and Garrett watch? I think Gettleman is gone. I don't think Gettleman's going to be the GM next year. I don't know about Garrett. I don't know. I don't know what Judge thinks. I don't know what is – I don't know how he – you know, I, there's no – I don't know how he views offense. I don't know what he thinks – what he was looking for this year out of the offense. Like, I don't know if he gives excuses off no Saquon. Um, so, Garrett, I really have no feel for. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? You think – You know, I think him getting rid of Colombo is a good sign. Yeah, that, that he's got the right feel for Garrett and that he's not going to keep Garrett around. And I, I could also see why, you know, I, I feel like my initial reaction was a little bit, why not get rid of Garrett now also? Just get that whole, just rip out the whole cancer. You know, all the tumors get him out. But, you know, yeah, it would be it would have been extremely jarring to get rid of the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator at the exact same time. Um, and, you know, I, I, I can... I could just see the argument against it. Well, you don't need like a lot of upheaval is not a great thing, even if you're not a very good team necessarily in the middle of the season anyway. Um, you know, Gettleman, I, yeah, I hope you're right because I do think that 
what's faded a little bit is the idea that you've put out there before about how you know if we if we actually made the playoffs Gettleman would kind of get to ride off into the sunset and almost he might step down and they could give him some sort of face-saving exit I don't know how much that possibility still remains exactly but you know I just think it's like obvious we just have no talent on offense we have none Saquon yeah, I got hurt. I think enough has happened that Gettleman can be ushered out of here with in the Giants feeling like it's in a nice way. Like there's a couple players on here that he picked. There's a foundation laid that he can take credit for. You know what I mean? Like and, and yet they can say like, look, we we you know we want to go to we want someone to take the next step of this rebuilding. You've put in the building blocks. You've laid the ground floor. And our next, the ushering in of, like, I, I think that's going to happen. I think enough's happened that whether it's them actually firing him or him deciding to hang it up, like, there's a few pieces in place, but there's not enough that they could even consider bringing him back. You know, like, yeah. You look at his record, they've been terrible. There's still a million holes. He's done a couple of nice things for his fans who are still amazingly out there. That they can take a few little solace in, a couple of pieces here, a piece there. But, you know, I, I think we're going to be waving goodbye to Mr. Gettleman this this, this winter and spring. There I really are, do. There are Gettleman supporters out there. There are people that love him. I know, yeah. Well, because, like, I don't know. They, they, I think there's, like, giving him benefit of the doubt because of, the, like, the rebuilding. It takes some time, and he got rid of people that people didn't like. You know, like, JPP and Odell were already kind of, like, lightning rods in certain ways, and, and so they maybe give him credit for that. And then, you know, his drafts have been okay. I, I still think they're a little – people overhype them a little bit. Um, they haven't been bad. There's there's drafted players on the roster who are productive, which yeah. is an improvement over what what, what had been going on. Yeah. Um. So that's there. But yeah, I mean, it's not like he's done. Like before, when it was like there was a period where people were like, "Is it who's it? Who do we give credit for to this Giants run?" You know, it's like no, I'm not. It's like, not a time run? for applause <laughs> or you know, uh, Dave Gettleman's farewell address where he takes bows. You know, like it's he's done a terrible job. Yeah, <laughs> we stink. <laughs> like, like... <laughs> right. All right. Uh, we're going to get Brian's thoughts on, an, on a controversial topic related to this after I tell you about city running tours. If you live in New York City and run for either fun or exercise, and by the way, if you run for fun, you're crazy. Here's a way to learn something about the city while you're getting in your workout. City Running Tours is now offering neighborhood running tours designed with locals in mind. New York City takes pride in the diversity and character of its neighborhoods, and these unique running tours offer an opportunity to learn the history of a neighborhood and get personal recommendations from your guide. Choose from tours of 23 neighborhoods, including the East Village, the Upper West Side, Bushwick, Long Island City, and Roosevelt Island. For more information about running tours and to see the list of neighborhoods and our full tour schedule, check out their website at www.cityrunningtours.com slash New York City. All right, Brian, Dave Gettleman's crown jewel was Daniel Jones and is Daniel Jones. Let's say that some medical report had come out today that said, you know, after further evaluation, we're going to shut Jones down for the season uh, for his injury. How do you evaluate? this season and what would you do at quarterback for us moving forward 
Um, well, let's uh, let's just say why don't we? We'll, we'll, I feel like this is our, this should be the final word on Daniel Jones this year. <laughs> yeah, because um, we've been evaluating him for the whole year. It's been about him, and I think yeah, I'm ready to to make a call. But and the call is like I don't have a call really. But I think the Giants are going to have a new general manager this year. I think if it were me, that general manager would have the green light to draft a quarterback. He can evaluate this year's draft. If he loves Zach Wilson or he loves one of these guys, if he he thinks we need to trade up for Justin Fields or he thinks Mac Jones is significantly better, I would give him the green light to do it. I would say, go ahead. You have, we have hired you to fix this team. You have permission to replace Daniel Jones. But I also think that if they hired that person, I don't think that person would be insane to come into this team and say, I'm going to keep Daniel Jones. We're going to have a high draft pick. I'm going to either get him some weapons. Maybe I'll trade for somebody who does want one of these quarterbacks if we're in that position. I don't know that it'll fall out that way. Um, but I'm going to build around Daniel Jones. We're going to add some weapons this offseason, add some more pieces, keep this going another couple of years. I think both are totally fair, but I don't think Daniel Jones has earned the right to be the Giants starting quarterback, no questions asked. Like, whoever comes in here, they should get the green light. If they decide, I want to move on from him, the Giants' ownership should be like, you have my blessing. But they don't have to. That's kind of where I am. I think that's correct. I mean, yeah, you're you're 100% right. I mean, because the truth is, is that there's one Trevor Lawrence in the draft. And, right. I, and I've been high on Justin Fields. You know, obviously there's an Ohio State bias there, but I do think he is good. But, and you know, I don't know what the other guys are going to be. But still, even if you look around the league, like, I like Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray is going to be really good. But, you know, and I still think Lamar Jackson is really good, and same with Deshaun Watson. But neither Lamar Jackson nor Deshaun Watson is having the kind of year this year that they had last year. Who knows what Kyler Murray will be next year. And then you look at it, and then when you really think about it, who are your just, like, mortal lock quarterbacks that if you have them on your team, you're good? It's Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Tom Brady's probably old to be in that group. Who am I leaving out? Like... Uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah, Russell. Okay, yeah. Russell That's Wilson. That's really it. That is That's it. That's really it. That's Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, like, none of those other guys are such home runs that I know for sure they're going to be better than Daniel Jones. And I put Justin Fields in that group. I really do. I don't dislike him, but like, is he that much better than Jalen Hurts? I don't know. And like Jalen Hurts looks great in Philadelphia, but also I wouldn't trade for Jalen Hurts right now. Like I haven't seen enough that makes me go like, you know, oh, he's a 10 year franchise quarterback. Like that remains to be seen. So yeah, I mean, even Deshaun Watson, who's awesome, but like he's on a bad team right now. You can yep. be bad with Deshaun Watson. He's right. not so good that, um, you know, he solves all your problems. And I, I know it's hard for me to watch a guy like Ryan Tannehill have this kind of renaissance and think Daniel Jones couldn't give us, you know, some kind of version of that sort of production where we if we had the right team. But which isn't what Daniel Jones is also not good enough to say that, like, you know, we we do. Oh, we got Daniel Jones. We're a good team. Like, no, he's not that you're, you're going to have to build properly around him. Right. Um and if you think, if you like watch Zach Wilson and you're like, that guy really is talented, like, you know, you have you have the green light. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's exactly it. 
Daniel Jones gives you just as good a chance to win as, you know, probably 80% of the league. But he's not so good that it's like we have to keep him. And that's really it. So that's good to know. Yeah, and we're look, we're in a different position. Like, if it was the number one pick, I would tell you, like, no, we're drafting Trevor Lawrence and Danny Dimes. It was Asa Lasagna, don't get any Anya, and uh, I'll drive you to the bus depot. And, <laughs> you know, we'll get you out of here. Yeah. Well, speaking of Trevor Lawrence, first, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. All right. Now that we've, <laughs> now that we've lamented the Giants, let's move on to something a little more fun. Right. The Jets! The Jets! heartbreaking win i've ever seen <laughs> and, and it was and it was heartbreaking like i hate the jets and i'm i'm laughing and i'm enjoying it but there was a part of me there was something truly actually heartbreaking about watching it happen just the way it happened the way it went down you know like they got out to the big lead and you could feel them like oh no and then <laughs> what if we die? The Rams come back and it looks like oh the rams are gonna pull this out don't worry and then they make the jets make the huge stop <laughs> on a fourth down and then pick up a huge first down to ice the game. And you could just feel the like, oh, God. And, and to Frank Gore, to like a 45-year-old running back who has uh, no future. You know, it's just like too perfect. Like, uh, oh, my God. And a couple, too, of inexplicable play calls by the Rams where your Jets are right. like, what are you doing? Why did you what? do this? <laughs> Why are you doing this? Why is this happening? Uh, and I know I usually hate in these situations, people like you can't even tank right. You know, it's like, cause like, what are people supposed to do? You know, like, how are you supposed to, but this is like the one situation where you literally have this guy who is like, a can't miss. I keep saying he's like Peyton Manning. If he could run, like he just, the guy yeah. is going to be an amazing player franchise altering. Just, it'll be so great. 10 years run. This is the only time where like an owner should have come down to the sidelines and be like, you got to drop the ball. Like, right. Like Sam Darnold, you're going out there and fumbling that ball. <laughs> like, we have to lose this game. You know, like I, it's the only time where it's like, no, we have to lose. Well, but it's also, I mean, a lot of people have been saying this, this isn't a unique idea, but it's, it's like fair because like Adam Gase is getting fired and he knows it. So what's, yeah. his, what's his incentive to lose, to gift the team that's about to fire him, Trevor Lawrence? If you're Sam Darnold, what's your incentive to lose? Yeah, yeah. You know, like... Right. I mean, you're, like, sealing your own fate if you lose. Like, right. He now is in the mix still for the Jets. Yeah, so it really comes down to the GM at Douglas. He, like, he should have had a fire sale weeks ago. Just to right. make sure, don't have any NFL players on your roster. Like, don't have anyone that could potentially pull off a game for you. Right. No, I know. I, it's like, I don't know how to actually ensure a loss, but it is like the first time where it's like something there should have like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the rules are. You know what I mean? Can you give like Adam Gase a bonus for losing that game? You know, that's a good <laughs> like, question, a, right? I don't know. Cause there is, there's, you know, there's issues of fairness and competitive, you know, integrity, whatever. Um, but man, I mean, if there was ever just a, a disastrous win, that, that was it. It really was just oh, man. too much. Too much. I mean, yeah, I, I really don't have a ton of sympathy because just because I like I was so afraid of 
having Trevor Lawrence in New York City for 15 years and dealing with it. It's and like, the idea they probably would hire Eric Bieniemy come in with yeah. bring the Kansas City offense like all of a sudden the Jets are just a nightmare, um, you know. Oh no, I know. And to, to have that, that crisis averted is really great. And um, something too we should let the listeners in on a little bit is we have a dear, dear friend <laughs> named Ed. And we have a group text of, you know, it's just our kind of our high school friends that have been hanging out for forever. And all season, Ed has been saying that he prefers Justin Fields to Trevor Lawrence. And I'm pretty high on Fields, and I'm a Buckeye. And normally, I would open arms welcome any of our friends into the Buckeye world with a take like that. Right. But the whole time, I've been like, I mean, you're nuts. How do you not want Trevor Lawrence? And he's so adamant about (laughs) Trevor Lawrence today on that group text. He just, you called him out. You were just like, you're like, you wanted him so bad. And you know what? He was like, I know, I wanted him so bad. Right, of course I wanted him. I mean, I haven't, I haven't been buying that all year. I don't want him. You desperately want him. Don't, I know a reverse jinx or whatever it is when I see one. You were guarding against this exact moment, this pain of losing him. You had him. You wanted him desperately. Of course you want him. <laughs> Don't tell me about Justin Fields and how good he is. I don't want Peyton Manning who could run. <laughs> right, who's also fast. Uh, oh, my God. No. But so what do they do? What do you think the Jets do? I don't know. I mean, it really all comes down to what what do they really think of uh, Sam Darnold? You know, yeah. who's another one. Like, he's been in the league a year longer than Daniel Jones. But it's like with all the stuff that's gone on with the Jets and that weird – mono stint that he had it's like i don't know is sam darnold good like if we were jets fans we'd probably be leading with that every week but like i don't know right i don't know either i would keep him i think he's talented he's 23 years old um i would maybe look see if you can get a massive haul for that second pick and then i would you know see if you can turn the franchise around that way i know it's complicated because he's going to be due to start making a lot of money soon um but I don't. I just don't. Tr- I don't dislike the other quarterbacks outside of Lawrence, but I don't. I don't trust any of them either. And I think Darnold. I feel pretty good that he's talented with a good team. I would be really tempted to do that anyway. I mean, will they have to pay him a ton of money if he's Sam Darnold? Like, who are the other bidders for Sam Darnold? You know. Well, just by just because of the position and where he was drafted, I think like. If they picked up his fifth year option or whatever it is, it's like twenty five million dollars, you know, like and right. then they have to re-sign him. You know, again, yeah, how much they, they could start playing the franchise tag game with him, but that the franchise tag is huge for quarterbacks, yeah. you know. Right. So it gets pretty complicated quickly. Um But like you bring another coach in here, get him some weapons. I don't know. It's not insane to me to think that he's again, he is so young. Um he does make some plays, man, that are like – he makes some wow throws. He makes some dumbass throws too, but um, he's talented. I would be really tempted um, to stick with him. And, 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 and you know, especially if you could trade the number two pick and get like, you know, one of these hauls that other teams have gotten for, for those picks. Yeah, no, that's so true. And, you know, I would honestly love it if they stuck with him. Uh, and this isn't a joke on the Jets. It's just to see what happens, right? Because, like, it is. It's almost like he's aged out of his of his usefulness, right? Or he's 
both aged and priced out of his usefulness because he's about yeah. to become expensive. But he's still such an unknown quantity. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't tell you if that guy's good or not. Meanwhile, like, then on the flip to it is I pretty much – I think I have a pretty good handle on exactly who Jared Goff is. And who he is is not worth the money that he's making. Right. So – or you look at, like, Garoppolo. You know, like, that guy was a hot commodity. And then he brings a team to a Super Bowl and suddenly he stinks. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the way we kind of treat quarterbacks, like, I don't think – I think the Jets would get killed for keeping Darnold. But I don't think it's stupid. Yeah. I don't either. Yeah. I don't know. So it is so fascinating. Like, Jared – I mean, uh, Jared Goff's a perfect one. Like, I think he's good. I think he's quite good and, and good enough that that team's going to be, like, in the mix while he's their quarterback. But he's also, not like, not good enough that they're probably not going to win a Super Bowl with him. And because they're paying him so much money, they, they're never going to be good enough to win a Super Bowl with him. So he's, like, both good enough to, like, keep them competitive, but not good enough to ever get it over the top. And, like, it's such a weird place to be. And people hate that as fans. But I think that's, like, a really actually underrated position to be in. Like, um, I know it's torture, but it's also fun. Like, you know, it's nothing wrong with just being good for a while. Um but it's tough. It gets frustrating when you can't get over the hump. So he's a he's an interesting guy. No, I mean I think that's exactly right. And I but I think that the point is is that he's not a guy he's not a guy who can't win a Super Bowl. He's just not a guy who's going to do it for you on his own. But he obviously he can get you there. Like he's gotten yeah. you there before. You know he ran into the Patriots defense, but I don't know. I mean. I guess the, the, the upside to a guy like that and, and the benefit of football over basketball, because this kind of reminds me of how I felt about the Knicks in the past, but the upside of football is because you're not ever playing a series against a team. You're just, it's a game. Yeah. You know, Goff could get into a game and win you that game. And I think that's right, the right. argument in favor of a quarterback like Goff. And that's what you would think Daniel, or you would hope Daniel Jones could be in his best year or right, whatever, right. or maybe he could aspire to that level. Um, but that I think that's kind of where football is a little bit unique is that the benefit of like it seems like in the NBA being a team like that is pointless because like a team that's good enough to always be in the mix but not good enough to win the whole thing just because I don't know right. I just an upset is no, so much harder. Yeah, you can't get there. Like yeah. in football maybe you get lucky one year and like the ball bounces your way and it's one game. Yeah basketball when you're not when you're not good enough you're not good enough and nothing <laughs> right nothing can happen that will make you good enough yeah right because you have to win four football yeah, you yeah. got to win one that's right. the, that's the big difference and that's why a guy like Goff kind of works a guy like hopefully daniel jones could work and maybe sam darnold but yeah what, you know what they do is really going to depend on what they what joe douglas really thinks of sam darnold i think will be kind of will dictate what they do right yeah i think you're right yeah you're listening to Giants Among Men on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Your support keeps us going. So speaking of basketball in the NBA, uh, tonight the Brooklyn Nets take the court for regular season action, and then tomorrow night the New York Knicks will. So uh, what are we expecting? <sighs> I, you know, I've wanted, to, I've wanted so badly to think that this Nets team is going to like blow up. But this Nets team is just going to rub it in our faces all year. They're going to be brutal. They're going to be brutal. Kyrie's going to be agonizing. They're going to be so annoying. The Knicks are going to stink. 
and it's going to be torture. Um, and it's really terrible, you know, like I just the, the, the Nets is like enough of these wildcard pieces and Steve Nash and maybe this, you know, and Kyrie seems like he's even more off the reservation this year than normal. <laughs> but like and, you know, maybe Durant will only be 85 percent of what he was and they'll top it. I, I don't know. I think they're going to just like I think they're going to be really, really good and it's going to be really painful. Yeah. I mean, it was fun. I was reading some Nets season preview, and it was talking about how they lack depth in the front court. <laughs> you just want to be like, what? Right. Like, and they don't either, do they? I mean, they have Jared Allen and uh, DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan. I mean, what's that's a pretty decent uh, one-two punch at center. And... Right. And Kevin Durant. <laughs> right. Right. Like, right. But then they even have, like, Levert off the bench. Like, um, you know, they got a lot of – they have decent depth considering who their top two players are yeah well no they have a lot of depth in the backcourt i i because i don't know who they have beyond jared allen and deandre jordan um who then also don't play together very well uh but durant can play the four look it doesn't matter they're right, awesome durant can play the five sometimes right like you know right. I, I, that's that's plenty i think absolutely <laughs> absolutely and i also think i guess the the what it really hinges on is Durant's ability to stay healthy or like stay on the court or whatever they have to do with load management with him this year or you know I don't know whatever because he's the key not just obviously because he's the best player on the team but I also think because you know look whatever anybody wants to say about Kyrie and and whatever Kyrie tries to put out there about himself I think Kyrie loves it that if he doesn't feel like playing and he just checks out his team kind of stinks or they clearly lose something big without him. I think Durant's presence keeps him honest because it's like, yeah, Kyrie, you could disappear and do your weird smoke bomb thing that you did in Boston or whatever. Like, I'll just put up 40 tonight and we'll win and we don't really need you. And I think somehow that's going to keep him, like, engaged. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Kyrie's that – he's not good enough to be, like, a one-man band. Um Kevin Durant is. Kevin Durant solves all your problems. Mm-hmm. You have Kevin Durant, you're you can win the you're like a title contender. He's that right. good. Yeah. Kyrie's not. He thinks he is, but he's really not one of those guys. He's like he's in a different tier of player. Yeah. Um you know. I mean, look, Kyrie when he's been by himself has not has never had a really great team, you know? Like Yeah. Uh like to me, Kyrie is like Stefan Marbury except he got to play with LeBron one time, you know? Like he's not, he's not, he's more that than he is, you know. I mean, he's better than Marbury, but not by as much as I think maybe people listening to this would think. Yeah, no. I agree. Um, but I mean, they're going to be awesome and they're going to be annoying. And we and the Knicks like just they got to get to a place where they can be at least relevant while the Nets are like this cuz I That's true. hating the Nets would be so joyous you know like i am so prepared for a righteous hatred of this nets team yeah but it's worthless if the knicks are just god awful so if we could get to some place where we're competitive with them oh man i i mean this would it's a delicious sports hatred potential for this brooklyn team totally agree and we deserve that and we need that let me just go ahead and say this and i'm i'm talking to you delusional knicks fans okay (laughs) If we pull off some sort of upset against Brooklyn at some point during this season, which is possible, we could we could upset them one night. We could catch right. them on a night. If that happens, 
don't you dare litter my Twitter feed with your nonsense about how we might actually be better than them and how Kyrie and Kevin Durant are a bad mix and that's the real problem. Get that out of my face. Don't let it happen. I'm telling you now, months in advance of it even happening, and it's not going to happen. But if it does, stop it. Right. One hot Emmanuel quickly night right. in the Barclay Center does not mean that this was good or that this was the way it had to happen or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, yeah. I mean, are you ready for them to retire number five at Madison Square Garden? Because that's basically the reaction to Emmanuel quickly. <laughs> I'm ready, man. Look, I think at the very least the Knicks salvaged the, the remainder of the preseason. I'm looking forward to watching the Knicks play uh, Wednesday night. That's a positive for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought Mitchell Robinson, you know, I, I dogged him our last show. I was ready to just throw him absolutely in the trash. Um, but he really showed why you are excited about him, the things he can do when he's engaged and playing well. Um, you know, I think um, t- I think this season is a lot about Thibodeau. Like, there's a weirdly a lot of pressure on him, even though it seems like there shouldn't be. But, like, you know – a big part of this is like him developing these guys, like that. He's a good coach, that he's a coach that matters, you know, that like yeah. he's going to make a difference with the, there's talent here. Like there's their problem personalities. They're strange birds. Like Kevin Knox is a talented person who like a good coach should be able to do something with. Um, and there's a lot of guys on this team who are like that. And, and so I do think the pressure's on him a bit to be like, not just you're a coach and, if you had a good team, you can win some games, but that you're one of these NBA coaches that matters, that makes a difference. So, you know, I think that the pressure's on Tibbs a little bit here. That's really interesting. I I hadn't really thought of it like that, but I think that's exactly right. You know, like I, I've sort of just been waiting for them to unveil the real plan about who they're going to get because, you know, we just, we don't really have enough talent, I guess. I, you know, but you're 100% right. And I think that the way you phrased it is perfect, that he needs to be a coach that matters. Because he is, right? Like, you think Tibbs comes in, he's going to change the dynamic. And and you need to have good players, but I do think that that's exactly right. His reputation is basically on the line. Like, are you the kind of coach that just your presence, your presence alone makes a difference, regardless of the amount of talent? And look, nobody's expecting a championship or even the playoffs this year. Right. That doesn't mean even the eighth seed. That means like 30 wins, you know, like being, being a difficult out, being annoying, like a pain in the butt to play. That's what I'd like to see. And and where these guys improve, we're like, Hey, Kevin Knox looked good in the preseason. I'd like him to look good in February. You know, (laughs) like that would be really good. I would say at least that was the first fun lineup. The Knicks have put on the floor. In a long time. That quickly RJ, um, Knox, Toppin, Mitchell Robinson lineup. That was fun. Yes. All five players were fun. I enjoyed watching all five of them. They played well together. They seemed to complement each other a little bit. That was like, this was an entertaining <laughs> basketball game. And I was in, I enjoyed it. And like, that's the first fun lineup that's been on the court in their uniform in a long time. True. True. There was nobody out there that I didn't know who they were or wish they were dead. Right. So, so right. that's a, right. that a that's positive thing. That's something. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. So I was listening today to uh, Jonathan Marchi. Is it Marcy or Marchi? 
I don't know. Do you know who I'm talking about? Macri, isn't it? Oh, it's Macri. Oh, yeah, Yeah. maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, either way. I like We're big fans, anyway. (laughs) right. Uh, But him and The Coincidence, um, you know who I'm talking about there, too? No. I think his name is Jeremy Cohen. His last name's Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, but his Twitter handle is cleverly The Coincidence. Ah, I see. Right, right. I like like it. Okay. Anyway. Those guys, they have a, a Knicks podcast, and they were talking about, um, you know, is quickly going to start over Peyton. And uh, the, the, the only – I mean, I certainly want quickly to start over Peyton. Just not, It's not even anything against Elfrey Peyton, honestly. Like, I could really care less either way with him. But it's just like, who cares? I, you know, yeah, what's the point? Get yeah. out of here. But I, I guess what they were saying is if Knox isn't starting, that – Quickly, it seems like Quickly's presence on the floor correlated with Knox hitting those open threes and, you know, they had some sort of rhythm together. So that, that was sort of the only argument that I would accept for not starting Quickly at this point is to have him in that second unit, especially with Knox and how well Knox plays while Quickly's on the floor. Like that, I'm willing to entertain as to why Quickly wouldn't start. But I guess it's always, too, the funny thing about NBA rotations is it's like, okay, so then let's put... Peyton with the starters and now I hate the starting group right right and and why like why should why do we have to spend the first eight minutes like not enjoying the game you know it's like <laughs> right. I don't know and, the, and the, the starting group just doesn't you know I mean it's like the Julius Randall thing where you know he's like our best player so he has to play it's like but nobody likes him and he doesn't help us win so does he I don't know you know it's like right. um like Mitchell Robinson to me has to start I'd be if he doesn't start I'd be shocked um that's that would seem crazy even though Newell played well but it's just like uh, to me there's the potential difference there is is pretty stark and why not have Newell on this on the second unit he'll be effective there yeah um I don't know I mean or you know I get the idea like you have you have this fun second unit that comes in brings you a lot of energy and goes against the other team's bench and maybe you make runs there but um I don't know it seems hard to imagine a, a the Knicks best five without quickly from what I, I mean, I know it's only two preseason games or whatever, but, uh, you know, Alfred Payton just doesn't seem to make anybody better except Julius Randle, and that's <laughs> what's, what's good about that. I, in fact, <laughs> that's a strike against Alfred Payton. Right, it is. <laughs> no, and he seems to, like, negatively affect everybody else. So, I, I you know, yeah, that doesn't seem good. Right. And so I guess, too, that means Quickly's emergence means there's basically no more room on the floor for either Dennis Smith Jr. or Elfrey Payton. Yeah, you know, I mean, Dennis Smith Jr., who knows? You know, I I just don't see enough there. He did play. That was that one game when they did have the nice little comeback where he he played a decent half there, Dennis Smith Jr. I I don't know. Yeah. I, I I, I do oddly find myself rooting for him personally. Sure. Like I, I think totally do. Yeah, I think it's just too it's it's too cruel. He's just you know the way he's been so bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, because there's he was an awesome player in college, had one freshman year, but with red flags. Then he came in and he was pretty good for Dallas, or at least promising. Although the red flags, you know, were still there. His shot, field goal percentage, blah blah blah. Um, but then he's just been just like unplayable with the Knicks. Not even like flawed, just like ridiculously bad. Yeah. Um, but he's a great leaper. He's obviously a great athlete. Like there's something there. It just seems like if we could tap into it, seemed to play at least decently defensively the other night. Um, so I don't know. I wouldn't bury him completely, but not expecting much from him. Yeah. 
Uh, I agree. But I think you're right. If Tibbs is going to earn earn his stripes, somebody, one of these talented guys who appears to stink has to be good this year or be, you know, much improved. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it'll probably happen. It'll probably be Knox. Yeah. And like, you know, he'll have to, I think, you know, Robinson, more nightly basis, like get some of those kinks out of that game. Like guys like that, you know, like make this quickly thing real, turn it into something legit, Um, you know. I just think mold the team to where they're cohesive, they're 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 as good as they can be, and and he's made a where you say, boy, he's made an impact, you know. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see that. Do we ever have to discuss Frank Nilakita again? I don't know. I don't. Maybe not. Like I was seeing on Twitter today, a lot of people talking about like they didn't offer him a contract extension. Why would they? Right. <laughs> Based right? on what? Like he's certainly. I'm gonna let him play it out and let's see what he can do. Like I, I, you know, I would love for Frank to be good, but. But he isn't. I mean, he hasn't done anything to earn even minutes on this team, even on this team, like this year's team. Have you, has he really seen anything from Frank that would make you say, like, he has to play? And, like, where? Yeah, no. <laughs> like, not at all. Like, no, I know. Like, he almost seems worse. <laughs> I do that every couple of weeks just to keep things exciting. Right. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. And – you know, I imagine Tibbs doesn't think he's very good either because he'd been playing more. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hope you know, I, I'm still not g- giving up all hope on Frank. Maybe there's, you know, he could, if you had quickly actually emerge as a point guard, you know, could Frank be an off-ball guard with him? Maybe. You know, maybe that they would form a nice tandem defensively um, if Frank, again, could make could consistently make some three-point shots, which he can't do. But you if can't he could... Do that. Right, if he could, maybe that's a pairing that actually wouldn't be terrible. Um, I'm sure they'll give that a li- at least a look at some point this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, when when even Kevin Knox has shown you more, uh, it's hard to get to really have too many ch- expectations for Frank. Yeah, I have for no Frankie expectations. Smokes. <laughs> <for> Frank, <laughs> Frenchy. Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. As it has been for so many, 2020 was a difficult year for us financially, and every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. Please help by pledging whatever you can. RFB is a 501c3 nonprofit organization so all contributions are tax-deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Also, if you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android, available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Brian, we have... About 10 minutes left in the radio show. And then, of course, there's always the potential for bonus time. Do you want to make sure that we talk about Charlie Woods before we go off the air? Yes. All right, let's do it. I'm <laughs> here for it. We must talk about Charlie Woods. <laughs> Charlie Woods. Scott, did you watch Charlie Woods? I saw some Charlie Woods. I wouldn't. Golden, I definitely wasn't following it like you were. But the Golden gods have, have <laughs> once again. <laughs> I am all in on Charlie Woods. I'm ready to devote my life to charlie woods (laughs) just the most beautiful swing i've ever seen it was most impressive i mean i it was unbelievable watching charlie woods you know swing is stunning i don't know really anything about swings and that was stunning 
He's 11 years old. I was talking to my father. We were both big Tiger fans. Like the, We couldn't decide what was the most stunningly impressive thing about Charlie Woods because there's his swing, which is gorgeous and perfection. But and he, and he, every tee shot just ripped down the, down the fairway. But the rest of his game, so refined. His short game. I mean, he had a, he had a bunker shot that checked up you know, four feet from the hole. He had a bunker shot. He put four feet. The tiger left 10 feet short. Wow. <laughs> Hunting stroke. I mean, he's banging them in all day, getting up there, banging in four footers. And this is televised golf, competitive golf, getting it in the hole. First time in your life, you're 11 years old and he knows who he is. He knows I'm Tiger Woods, son. Everybody in the, there's millions of people watching this with bated breath for this debut. No one's ever seen me play getting in there. No fear. Knocking in 10-footers, 4-footers, like no yanked putts. Like he didn't hit a shot that was like, whoa, what was that? The whole weekend. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And those are also – those are greens unlike anything I've ever stood on before probably. Just – Yeah, I mean it's a legitimate course and yeah. like – I mean it, it's just insanity how good he was. The shot he hit – I mean the first day of this thing where he, he gets an eagle on his own ball – on a par five where he rips a drive and then he hits a three wood, a, a draw, a big hook around a tree, an intentional draw around a tree to about five feet and then drains it for Eagle. I mean, that is insanity. Like I can't tell you how hard it is to hit a draw on purpose and to do it at 11 years old on TV, on the third hole of your first, like, you know, event of this caliber magnitude with the amount of people watching like it's insane yeah it's insane is he the oldest of the woods children no the daughter is older than him okay um, i don't know how old she is but she's older but this was this was the the and you know it's and the thing is like tiger's been it was interesting that he even decided to do this because he's been very protective of his kids for obvious reasons but right. like there was a period where you'd never even seen his children and then occasionally they popped up and like they start being at an occasional event. So this was like a big deal for him to say, like, I'm going to put him out there and like, we're going to be on television together, you know? And like his game was ready for it. Like it yeah. was ridiculous how good he was. I don't know. I mean, I just, I'm so excited about it. <laughs> you know, it's like having kids, right? The whole point of having kids, right? Is you get to do it again. You get to do it again. Why yeah. are you excited about Christmas this week, Scott? Cause you're going to watch your children your daughter open up those presents and it's like you're opening up those presents it's christmas morning again santa has come he's here we're doing it again you know we're one day we're gonna get to go to the prom again you and me yeah. we're gonna go on our first date have our first kiss we get to do it all again <laughs> and now we as golf fans we get to do it again he's coming he's <laughs> we're doing it again right the whole thing and maybe he'll be maybe he'll be better maybe he'll break nicholas's record it's all on the table. Right. <laughs> he won't have a sex scandal in the middle of his career that totally derails everything. We have a chance to do it again and this time do it right. Yeah. Right. And he will be still be so much more like social media savvy. He'll know how to av av like avoid, avoid these troubles. Yeah. yeah right. right. He could still have all the sex, just not get right. caught. You know? <laughs> like... you know, it's so funny because Tiger, like listening to him talk about it is fascinating because he's clearly – like his dad, you know, is is legendary about what he put him through and he was very into it and like put a lot of pressure on him. But also you could tell Tiger like obviously was very close to his dad and credited him in many ways with like coaching him and preparing him and getting to where he was. But he's clearly not 
taking exactly the same tack. Like he was all about, I want him to have fun and like, I just want him to enjoy it. And if he's into it, then he can keep doing it. And like, he's trying hard to, to put the pressure down mm-hmm. on the other hand, like he's into it. You know, he stood right behind him every shot. I mean, right behind him, like watching, like so intent, you know, watching the swing, watching the putt. Okay. Oh, good swing. Great yeah. swing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And he, and apparently he, he had him only using blades for like the first five years of his playing, you know, which are like the harder to hit golf irons for those who don't know. And he makes him put out everything because in tournaments you have to finish out like, so he's, he's not hands off. You know what I mean? Like right. he's into it. Um, so it's just really cool to see. It's probably one of those deals where, you know, because I think that the obvious difference is that Earl Woods, Earl Woods wasn't Tiger Woods. You know, like, right. it's a different dynamic. Like, my dad is just Earl Woods, just a guy. And that this, you know, Charlie's dad is Tiger, like the guy, right. you know? So I do think it's probably one of those situations where Tiger was like, I don't want to pressure him into it. But once he gets in the pool, we're swimming together. Right. You know? <laughs> right. right. And, and I think that's kind of probably how it is, which is, like, perfect. And it, it is playing out incredibly Oh my god, it was so fun to have him in the Sunday red. I mean, it was just like no way. And just make it putts. I mean, 62-62 like is crazy. I know that format. It's, you know, they played a a a, a true scramble where you hit every shot and you pick the best shot. So like it naturally you shoot, but I've played in that, man. Like I didn't shoot 62. Yeah. Like, you know, and I was a grown man. I realized I wasn't playing with Tiger Woods, but like if anything, Tiger hurt them he didn't play very well he yeah just, he didn't putt well he didn't play that great like <laughs> it's <was> a great <laughs> dynamic back at the hotel <laughs> <laughs> like he cost them so i it was just um and it was so cool to watch them together like when um it was pretty funny when when charlie made the eagle on uh the third hole the first day and he just goes to give his dad like a casual fist bump you know, like he was all business and Tiger was like, oh, my God, like he went to give him a big hug. Like <laughs> he was like, yeah. couldn't believe it. It was just a cool moment. That is and awesome. there were so many of those. So it was great. All right, listeners, uh, we are signing off on the radio show right now. Thank you so much for listening. Download us on Saturday. Uh, Giants Among Men podcast. Follow us on social media. All that great stuff. We will see you again next week. Bonus time, Brian. Let's do it. All right. Anything else on Charlie Woods? No, I think we covered it, but I'm excited. Couldn't be more excited. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I'm not that excited about the college football playoff because I think Ohio State's going to get smoked. They're going to play Clemson, right? Yeah. And they're going to get handled, you think? I think so. I I said it on the show, I don't know, you know, weeks ago. This Ohio State team is, is, it's a down, it's a down year for us. We're not as fearsome up front on the defensive side of the ball. Like, if you think about Ohio State football, going back to probably 2013, we've had a Bosa or Chase Young on the team. That whole stretch. And, you know, like, our defensive line isn't terrible, but we don't have just, like, a dude there. Yeah, Um, Yeah. You know, I think, again, same thing with our secondary like, I'm pretty stunned every Sunday looking at how many just awesome defensive backs from Ohio State are in the NFL. Uh, you know, every team has a guy popping up where you're like, oh, you know, uh, 
Yeah, true. And we just we don't have a big time guy in the secondary. We don't have a big time guy on the defensive line. Uh, you know, Chris Olave is our best receiver, and he's really good. I like him, but he's not of the caliber that some of our more recent classes have been. Uh, you know, I know Trey Sermon played really well in the in the uh, Big Ten title game, but we've had J.K. Dobbins for the last three years at running back, and him getting hurt actually in the semifinal against Clemson last year I think is what killed us. Um, so, Well, uh, to be fair, he did play more than – very well right i mean what he had like 340 yards or something yeah yeah yes <laughs> yes he was the whole team right right he was uh, spectacular yeah, yeah. no yeah. he was amazing but i know what you mean he's not he doesn't somehow he doesn't jump off the screen the way you know zeke or dobbins did um, yeah well i just think the whole the way and and my bigger question is honestly ryan day because i think we were better than clemson last year and i think we lost it because in the fourth quarter Day made a few questionable decisions, or he, in one instance, he took way too long to make a decision. He let way too much time come off the clock, and that really hurt us in the game last year against Clemson. But, look, look, Northwestern was daring us to run the ball all day on Saturday, and it took us till like, midway through the third quarter to be like, fine, we're going to unleash Trey Sermon on you. But right. they were dropping eight guys in the coverage, and then and we kept trying to have Justin Fields throw – to receivers when we don't even have Olave as our best guy, who's I don't even think is that great. We didn't have him, and we've got Justin Fields throwing the ball into eight-man coverage. Run the ball. I, I yeah, you yeah. know, so, I mean, I think that's also part of it. I think that Sermon had such a good game against Northwestern because Northwestern was saying, if you're going to beat us, you got to run the ball, um, and, and we did. But <laughs> if that was their strategy, though. They they – they stuck a little too much to that. Yeah. <laughs> once, you know, once it's the, once they hit the 250 yard mark, you might want to <laughs> dare them to throw at that point. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I, I always, I hate the big 10 hate. I hate when, you know, the sec, uh, yeah. but I, I think it's somewhat valid this year. And, and, but you know, also whatever, Oh, Ohio state didn't play enough games and it's not fair. Wah, wah, wah. Shut up. All right, it's COVID. It, it's it, it's nobody's yeah, fault, yeah, yeah. you know. Just because the SEC is a bunch of lunatics who could care less about anyone's health or whether or not anybody dies, and they yeah. were just like, "We're playing every game, no matter what." Like that's your fault too. You're, you guys know, are yeah. lunatics. Well, I'm so sick of this thing where it's like people are like, "People said it couldn't be done," but look, everybody. It's like, well, people said it couldn't be done safely. They didn't say you couldn't right? just plow ahead and do it. If you were willing to get tons of people sick, which has happened, tons of players have gotten it, and that probably means their families and staff members and yeah. people who work at those universities and the towns have had huge outbreaks. Right. Like we, no one's done the accounting of like between the NFL and college football how many deaths it's directly led to. So we really don't know, but we certainly know lots of people associated with both efforts have gotten coronavirus right. in pretty large numbers so the fact that you just didn't shut it down i'm not giving you any like props for that right. <laughs> people said it couldn't be done right. it no, wasn't they said it wasn't wise to do it they right. didn't say it couldn't possibly be done right <laughs> all right any anything can be done if you find a crazy enough person if you're willing to put up with a certain a, a large amount of uh human suffering sure anything's possible right nick saban got it twice Right. <laughs> like, right. What was that? Was it like false the first time or something? How did he get that? How did he? How did that happen? I think it might have been false the first time. Okay. 
or you know nick saban just has like magical powers and he's just like <laughs> i will absorb the coronavirus i will take right. it you know <laughs> like i don't know yeah yeah um, that is weird i do like nick saban of all of all the like the dirtbag coaches there are in college football i like him the most yeah i would agree with you um i don't know that that's high praise um <laughs> but i agree to the extent that I despise all the other ones. Um, and Davo Swinney, I just want, I want him to go down more than any person in public oh, life. Actually. I want a too. scandal of some kind. I want a teenage girl coming out of his office. I, I don't know. Like I want him to get caught, you know, getting an abortion for a 15 year old that he knocked off something just right horrible i just hate him I'm terrible i want all his players to like walk off the field and on a big game because they've decided that he's a horrible human being i don't know me Maybe too that's overly harsh but i don't know I don't what like... what is it about him that he just seems so colossally full of shit you know like yeah. he's so transparently and grotesquely full of shit yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, that is it. That is a dislikable quality in a person. Yeah, I hate him. Yeah, um, oh, me too. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't care about, you know, I get the SEC is the best and like, but I do find the, the conversation around the playoff and like, the problem is we know who the two best teams are and it's Clemson and Alabama and like somehow the solution to that problem is always adding more teams to the playoffs. You know, <laughs> and it's like, I guess I don't need to see Notre Dame play Alabama. I know Notre Dame's not as good as Alabama, but I don't need to see Texas A&M play them either. Yeah. And I don't need to see Florida play them again. Right. And I don't need to see BYU play them. And I don't need to see uh coastal Carolina play them or whoever, like you're telling me is like not getting a fair shake, you know, like, uh, like, it doesn't matter. So I think it, you could make it eight teams because I think it would be fun. It'd be a fun event. Um, but I just don't think it's like a problem that you get the wrong four teams every once in a while. Like it's I, I don't care. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point it, it, because that's it's never about right. Any of these four teams. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say never. Like, I think last year, Ohio State was good enough where it could have gone either way between us and Clemson. And we and you know like there's 3 out of the 4 teams were legit. But yeah, Oklahoma sucked. Right. The you know? first year was the only year where we actually I think Ohio State right won it as the 4 seed. And that whole yeah. event was so fun. Yeah. Um and it's funny they saying like since then the ratings have gone steadily down cuz you're not getting a competitive game, but like I don't know that the problem is like the selection of the teams is flawed. Other I think the problem is like in college football, very often, like, <laughs> there's two really great teams, and that's about it. You yeah. know, like, um, well, that's it's also, not often that there's six national championship-worthy teams in college football. That's really true. And actually, uh, I was listening yesterday. Uh, Wilbon and, and Tony Kornheiser were talking about, uh, you know, that power in college football is getting so consolidated that people are going to start to lose interest in it. Cause it's just Alabama and Clemson every year. But I don't know. Is that new? 
I mean, that's kind of always how it's been. To me, like, also, everybody misunderstands what the problem was with the old system. The problem with the old system was not that it did a bad job of assigning the national champion. The problem was it wasn't fun. Yeah. Like, it's more fun to watch the teams play each other. Like, actually, it when people <laughs> just voted on who's the best team, it almost they almost always got it right. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it, when you have them play each other, you get upsets every once in a while, and the best team doesn't always win. Like, voting on who's the best, that's actually the easiest way to pick out who really is the best. <laughs> that's true. Champion. So it's okay. Like the point is to try to create the funnest tournament. And, you know, I, I, I get like maybe another team over Notre Dame would be more fun. Um, but it's not the end of the world, you know, Notre Dame. We'll see. Maybe they can give Alabama. I don't think so. I think they're going to get killed, but yeah, so uh. do I, but I, you're, you're hundred percent right. I think the, it's really, yeah, it's not about like a better, a team better than Alabama or Clemson is not out there. So right. realistically, nobody got the shaft. But I am still always going to be in favor of at least an eight-team playoff because that would be awesome. It would be fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd make December a lot more fun. You know, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we worked that out, Brian. You got anything else for us today? Um, no, not really. I mean, you know, I would say Notre Dame is like. I really do would like to see them redeem themselves. What a disgrace they were. Oh. Uh, just, you want to, you know, it's like, when are you going to arrive? You know, it just, it's never happening. Like, and I just feel like Brian Kelly at a certain point is such a terrible person. If he's never <laughs> going to actually get you there, like maybe they do just you know, like either get urban Meyer in there and actually win or get Ty Willingham and start molding good men again, you know? like Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> make a choice, because this in-between where we have this scumbag, and I say we, I mean, I'm only partially and very minorly an actual Notre Dame fan, but that's the college team I watch and root for. But, like, you know, you pick a side here. Yeah. <laughs> this thing we're doing now where you have this scumbag who humiliates you every time you're on a national <laughs> stage. Yeah. <laughs> it's no good. Either get the real deal in here and and be be, you know, Lou Holtz again, or, you know, have a priest call the plays and churn out, you know, pastors <laughs> <laughs> and fine young men, gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, Tressel thread that ne- threaded that needle really well at Ohio State, where you know he was a good man, and the tattoo thing is more embarrassing for the NCAA than it is for Tressel or Ohio State. But Tressel right. was a great man and a good enough coach that he always got. He, he he won a national title and he and he kept us nationally relevant even though we kept getting smoked and humiliated. But then you know, look, Urban came in and I don't really like Urban Meyer that much. But whoa, did was a jet engine put into Ohio State football? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's so true. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, don't do it halfway. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, Merry, Merry Christmas, Brian. Merry Christmas to you, Scott. Thank I you. hope uh, We're you only, get all the presents that you asked for. We can only say Merry Christmas. This is the last time because then Trump will leave office and then we won't be allowed to say Merry Christmas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll have to go back to the dark ages of happy holidays. So. <laughs> I will say one thing about the Jute. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have joked to my Jewish friends that I I do think 
they need to decide similarly to Notre Dame. Uh, are you going to be all in on Hanukkah or not? You know, if yeah. we're going to if we're doing the happy holidays, like, you know, I know traditionally my fr- Jewish friends will say like Hanukkah is not even that big a holiday in, in Judy- Judaism. It's been made kind of larger than life because it competes with Christmas. I'm like, so, so what? Yeah. Go, you know, just do what you got to do to put it on equal footing. We're welcoming it. I'm here. Happy yeah. holidays. I'm ready and willing. But like you need some songs. You know, I don't want to hear this right. dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I want some, let's come up with, get some real people on it. You've got a lot of talent in this community. Yeah. Um, well, Adam Sandler, he's got a hit Hanukkah song. That's true. That's yeah. true. But I like, like that. Let's get some songs. Let's let's just do it. Let's merge the two. I realize it's the most blasphemous conversation I think I've ever said. <laughs> let's just make, put them really on equal footing. And, and I think that, you know. Our, our Jewish friends have to do their part on, on, on that as well. Right. So you're asking <laughs> our Jewish friends to increase the importance of Hanukkah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Like you want it. If you want it, all you got to be all into. <laughs> if it wasn't Christmas before, it's Christmas now. All right. It is. You right. want to get do figure it out. I want some songs. I want some traditions. I want presents. I want it to be. Let's just make it the same. Or. If Hanukkah's not that big of a deal, just who cares? And just join us for Christmas. Right, right. Like, you know, I mean, right. the world Celebrate is getting Christmas. so much more secular now anyway. No one's right. really celebrating. Well, you know, I'm not going to say no, it. No, no. We all know what I mean. Millions, of, millions and millions of God-fearing Christians are, of course. But right. yeah, right. Like for me, it's a totally, it's Thanksgiving only with presents. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. join us. That's a that's a thorny you know that's a thorny proposition, <laughs> right? But I mean, it, there's nothing religious about a tree in your house. No, true. Yeah, right. just it's get Santa. it. Get a tree. Yeah. Santa can visit everybody. It's fine. Right. Yeah. Well, we solved that. So we solved- look, we just did as much as Jared Kushner did. <laughs> you know, we solved it. You're welcome, everybody. All right. Happy holidays, everyone. Yes. Until next week. All right. All right.